0: Texas talking. Ah, oh, what was that that you said? Texas talking. Ah, gonna hoop upside your head. Texas talking.
1: Tell me who can you trust when Texas hides are? Texas, guys Texas talking. Great. Hi, this is Ross Ramsey with a special University of Texas Texas Tribune poll edition of the TribCast for the last week before the elections. Finally, we're here. I'm joined by pollsters Jim Henson and Josh Blank from the University of Texas at Austin. Um, So we did this poll, we were in the field until the day before early voting started, the 23rd. Right. Um, What's your overall takeaway from this thing? You know, we've been through all of seven days of our seven stories over four days, uh, kind of laid out the poll, but you know, having done the poll, what's your overall takeaway from it?
0: Well, you know, I think you have to break it into a couple of things. One, I would say, probably, that the, the poll fell in line with what we had seen running up to this in terms of the presidential race.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, overall takeaway is a tough one for us because we like to right. dive down deep. But I and think- we'll, we'll Because that, we're yeah. so complex. Yeah, because we're yeah. so complex. We <laughs> right. like to show off. But but I mean, the overall takeaway is that, right, is that, you know, Texas is still part of the U.S. You know, and I think there's some sense of, you know, throughout the race that, you know, no, 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 Texas is still going to look like Texas, unchanged, doesn't matter, and the reality is, no, I mean, it, it did end up reflecting a lot of the national trends in ways that were still, you know, muted to some degree, but there. Right. And,
0: and I guess I would say this, I mean, in terms of how the general takeaway on the presidential race fits into the, the national discussion, mm-hmm. we did still fall within line with the other, with the other numbers that we've seen. Right. And I do think that it confirms that on one hand it's fair to move texas from solid republican to leaning republican if we look at all the the composite uh, the compilation sites right but moving into the toss-up stage we've still not seen a single poll in which hillary clinton has led right. and to my mind that's what it would really take you'd either need you know several months of less than five or even more than that, a few polls that showed her leading to call this truly a toss up. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, if you want to put it in context that way, you know, I, I think the other big takeaway is that it provides an interesting portrait of how attitudes in the state that I think nationally were associating with Trumpism, right. quote unquote are here and, and present in this poll given attitudes on immigration, uh, cultural identity, um, what am I leaving out? Race, generally. Race, yeah, right. race, generally, which I kind of kind I of fold into cultural identity. Questions of inclusion. And, and it, But it begs us to look back at, I think, is one of the virtues of the polling that we've done together, which is we have a long time series on a lot of these things and on a lot of these kinds of attitudes and subjects, and they certainly predate Donald Trump rising at least to national political prominence
1: right did you sense I mean you know to the extent that Texas is closing up right and and to the extent that there's less distance between the Democrat and the Republican in this is the state changing or the candidates is this is this a the candidates or is this the politics of the state it seems to me it looks like it's more the candidates and and in particular the Republican
2: I mean it's I think I think that's fair writ large yeah I mean it's it's both I mean to some degree right I mean one's not possible without the other I mean to the extent that the candidate is having this effect it still needs to have a receptive audience for it right right I mean in the end Republicans I mean the thing that's kind of interesting about this race broadly and in Texas I think in a lot of ways is that Trump came in and kind of shook the whole thing up and the question became you know so what are we gonna learn about this and the thing we kind of seem to be learning is that you know party ID is still king Right. People's partisan identification still drive most of what they do. Right. And Texas is still a very Republican state like that. That hasn't changed. But what's interesting is, I think, you know, what this election has done is kind of shown how many Democrats there might be to motivate in the here and now, given you know the best of circumstances.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think to to your point, Ross, there's definitely a difference in the Republican response to Trump than there was in the Republican response to Mitt Romney in certain key groups that we're becoming familiar with. But we also aren't entirely clear on what's changed in the ensuing four years. We know there hasn't been a sea change. We know that demographic change is taking place, but it's taking place slowly, and it's taking place in the context of a very unevenly mobilized electorate. In other words, Latinos aren't showing up to vote nearly as much as other groups, and that's— That's providing kind of a buffer.
1: They're a much smaller, they're a much smaller part of the electorate than they are of the population.
0: But we also, but we also know that said that uh, Donald Trump is running much less strongly among women overall, at least in the polling, than did Mitt Romney by a pretty big chunk of votes. Mm -hmm. What that looks like on Election Day. To use the cliche, I wouldn't write this, but I'll say it It remains to (laughs) be seen. Um, Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, you'll just take it out Um, and and justifiably. But I mean, Josh and I were talking about this beforehand, but even that is pretty complex when you look at where Republican women are vis a vis Donald Trump and vis a vis Republican men.
2: Yeah, it was one of the striking things in the poll was that, you know, we kind of, you know, there's sort of this, this idea that, you know, and it's not untrue that, you know, men seem to generally. Be a little bit reticent about hillary clinton but not democratic men and not in texas i mean right. so democratic and republican male men and women look the same i mean right. generally across the board republican men and women look a little bit different but what's interesting is that it's republican women who have been more positive towards their party towards their nominee kind of holding the line kind of holding the line and That's actually are acting as better partisans now you now we we're kind of talking about this sort of a chicken and egg thing here is this you know they love Trump so much, or is this because they're Repub- You know, and therefore, you know that's part of why they're Republicans, or is it they're Republicans and they're just trying to kind of get their views consistent with right. their partisan identification? It's kind of I don't know, but it's sort of a pretty interesting finding underlying the poll. So do you
1: read this? I mean, this is a broad way to put it, but do you read this as a Trump versus Clinton election, or as a Trump versus Trump election? I mean, in some ways, it seems like he's his own obstacle.
0: Well, there's a little bit of both. Yeah, definitely. I mean. Definitely. There's, I mean Trump is fighting to to keep people in the fold and he's certainly not at least in the polling done that as much as your right. more run-of-the-mill Republican candidate but on the other hand Hillary Clinton is showing an, another surprise in the poll that we've talked about is that um, Democrats are are maybe surprisingly unified behind Hillary Clinton mm-hmm. now people might I could I could imagine people out there saying this isn't surprising and you know Hillary Clinton is always, has roots in Texas has been popular. I've always thought that was a little overestimated. Right. Um, well, and the
2: data showed it was overestimated. I mean, that's. I mean, part- it was in the
0: data at the right. time. I obviously. mean,
2: that's partially true too. I mean, that's the point. We look back at this, you know, a while a while back when sort of the whole, you know, you know, when Clinton kind of mentioned Texas as one of the places she might flip you know you look back at the data and among democrats you know clinton's favorability numbers were about where wendy davis's were right. i mean it's not it's not as though she was you know outpacing sort of just standard democrats in the state in some way that made her unique right. uh you know so and there
0: was the sanders challenge so don't beat myself up about it right <laughs> yeah i mean there you know there there was the sanders challenge right and i think that did have something of a, a it certainly had an effect on her numbers but she won you know pretty handily here as we remember yeah and I think that has turned out to not be much of an impediment, and the Sanders voters have come around. And right? we got we got a question from Albert, um,
1: and this kind of goes to some of the underlying stuff in the, in the survey. I'm an Ann Richards Democrat. What happened to Texas in 25 years? Is gerrymandering responsible for the ultra-conservative control? It looks like Texans on the issues are with the, the conservative candidates. Yeah, you know, I mean, and, and, I, and without getting to gerrymandering and all of those kinds of things.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you need gerrymandering to explain the Republican advantage, but it does explain the magnitude of that advantage in institutions. I mean, right. if I'm looking at. Um, probably the, mo- the most important factor institutionally or in terms of behavior, not institutionally. I'm probably looking more at turnout as the culprit here, more than gerrymandering, though gerrymandering certainly helps.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a complicated question without a simple answer. I mean, obviously, yeah. what you were kind of saying, I mean, just more Succinctly, I mean, in statewide races, gerrymandering doesn't matter. I mean, right. not directly. Right. I mean, indirectly it matters, right, in the sense if you're sitting in some non-competitive you know, district, maybe you don't turn out to vote. Why but, get off the couch, right? right? But the reality is, I mean, I've been thinking, you know, this might cut the other way in an election like this. I mean, if you're one of the many, many Texans sitting in a non-competitive, safe Republican Texas House, Texas Senate district where there might not even be a challenger – and you're looking at the top of the ticket and think, boy, this doesn't really represent my brand of Republicanism. It actually probably decreases the likelihood right. that you're going to turn out in the statewide race. Right. So, you yeah, know, it, yeah, it's, it's
0: ironic. All things being equal, gerrymandering may actually be hurting the top of the ticket this time.
2: Right. Well,
1: that's interesting. That's interesting. Well, let's talk about some of the underlying stuff. So, what did you see in the? I mean, we had a couple of conversations over the over the course of the week, of chicken and egg kind of conversations. Sorry. Is this Trump leading people to? these views or is Trump tapping into views already held talk about some of these cultural things that we found in the poll some of the Yeah I mean I mean I, you know my
0: view is that Trump is activating things that were already there in the Republican electorate mainly because we've seen these attitudes there long before Trump so we've asked right. about questions like how much discrimination do you think certain groups experience and we asked a more truncated version or a, a narrower range of that this time right. and we found particularly in gender highly you know uh, attitudes that are highly structured and organized along partisan lines in other words uh simply put large numbers of republicans think that women don't dis- you know experience little or no discrimination right and democratic numbers look not exactly the opposite but pretty close
2: yeah, I think that's right. I mean, and the other piece of that, too, is that, you know, when you look at sort of these cultural discussions that are going on right now with, with race and policing and gender, uh, you know, in terms of, let's say, religion and terrorism and, and those sorts of issues, right. you know, in Texas, you know, Republicans tend to think that the groups that face the most discrimination are whites and, and Christians, you know, and really Christians is the main thing. Same thing with conservatives. Right. And to speak to your sort of these, you know, pre-existing attitudes, I mean, You know, when Trump announced in June that he was running and sort of, you know, obviously talked about the rapists coming across the border, you know, I mean, some of the things he was saying, it was really easy to kind of look into our historical polling and say, you know, this is I mean, for me, I'd say this is a guy who's been looking at the polls and who has been looking at the crosstabs, because at least in Texas, and I think a lot of at least Southern and more Republican states, there's a lot of support for very restrictive proposals on immigration. It's really hard to see a proposal that is too restrictive for the Republican electorate, at least, especially in like a border state, in and, and, and those
0: attitudes, those clusters of attitudes on issues, and you look at them with through the lens of party, through the lens of the candidate. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's hard to really sort all that out. I mean, there's party ID, there's the issues, there's the personality of the candidate at the top of the ticket right now. Right. And what's adding and what's subtracting to Trump's numbers? pretty interesting to sort out in particular. And then it's even more interesting if you think about what does this look like a year from now in Texas as people are beginning to line up for the general election in the state?
1: Well, and there's some other things in between now and there. There's, a, you know, the legislature I would expect is going to get into race and community policing, for example. And the numbers there were starkly partisan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you asked about the attitudes toward the Black Lives Matter movement, um, mm-hmm. and then a little bit more generically, when you ask about, would you rather fund training for the people who deal with police or training for the police who deal with the people? There were also some partisan breaks there. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, legislature is going to deal with that, I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think on the on the on the policing, I mean, that was inspired. In part by the national conversation, but in part by a very direct policy question that happened in a Texas in a Senate committee hearing right. a few weeks ago, and we and you saw that
1: this is when John Whitmire from Houston right. came in and said we we want to have some courses. I can't remember where he did it. Uh, U of H or, or high school?
0: Well, I think he I think he said they wanted to do it in high school. Right. And this discussion has been going on before
2: Whitmire brought it up. I mean, they talked right. about it at the Texas Tribune festival and the race right. and policing panel. I mean, this is in the ether as a, as a as an issue. Right. Whether you need to tell people how to behave when a cop pulls you over and all of
1: that, you know. Right. To, you know, which is probably not a bad idea, just generally.
0: Right. Well, I had somebody I had somebody mention to me that that was part of the driver's training that they took. In another state, that when they took driver's ed, they, they had a police officer come in and tell them how to act. Uh-huh. But I, it, you know, it's one thing to have that be incidental or a part of a, of a class that really wasn't. I think the tenor of the discussion, right? It's context, given, w- right? given where we are right. now and, it's, it's and what context, we're talking about, but right. we, but we did see, you know, a lot of a lot of partisan structure in that. So that on that, when we asked about, you know, whether you should educate Texans or educate the police. Uh, Democrat, you know, only fifteen percent of Democrats said you should educate Texans. Seventy percent said you should educate the police. Right. You look at Republicans, uh, and this is you know interesting in terms of, of the political culture in the state. Fifty percent of Republicans said educate Texans. Twenty three percent said educate the police, but twenty eight percent of Republicans were don't know, which I think is picking up.
2: You know some cross currents and ideology in
0: the in the Republican yeah, and Party we, in particular, and, in Texas. and we've pulled
2: previously and seen. I mean, there's high levels of support for you know sort of law and order institutions like the military and the police, and in, mm-hmm. in Texas, and then especially among the Republican electorate in Texas. Right, right. right. But but I
0: think you don't see the exact mirror image because there is this individual rights currents mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that that you know do make people a little bit reticent to say that you know we had to be instructed how to obey the police. You know, know, they were very individualist.
1: These were, you know, they were very um, clear differences when you asked a straight up question about the Black Lives Matter movement. I think 90 percent of Republicans had an unfavorable impression of that. Eighty nine percent. Yeah, don't exaggerate. Sorry. uh, (laughs) I want to be fair. I want to get that other percent in there.
0: (laughs) Sorry. Uh, They are the one percent. Right. And, And actually, in that, you saw. A, a, an interesting mirror image of what we were talking about with the police so that, right. you know, among Democrats, among Democrats, 57 uh, percent were favorable, 16 were unfavorable, but 27 percent were yeah, well, unfixed. Right? And I
2: think what's there, I mean, sort of the different thing. I mean, when you're talking about the Republicans and the police, what you kind of you know, what you see is this sort of, you know, there's a little bit of the, you know, I don't know, I would say. The authority, right, Mm -hmm. and sort of—I mean, think accepting of authority, but versus the you know freedom side of the Republican Party. With this, and the Democrats, you see this across a range of issues. You do see some. Sort of class differences within the Democratic coalition in Texas. So when you look at attitudes among, you know, college-educated versus non-college-educated Democrats across the poll, mm-hmm. you do see this sort of split that actually kind of explains, you know, some of the Democratic challenges here, where you know, non-college-educated Democrats just look a little bit more conservative right, than the rest right. of the group, and that's sort of something that kind of just across the issues makes Democrats look less homogenous.
0: But for the historically minded, that's not.
2: Right. You know, it doesn't look like
0: uh, the conservative Democrats of 1955. I mean, when you look at the favorability ratings for Black Lives Matter, for example, it's about a 12 it's about a 12 point difference, but it's 65 percent favorable among college educated Democrat Democrats, 53 percent favorable among non-college educated Democrats. So it's a matter of degree, but it's not like it was, you know, back in the day. Right, right. Where so all, all these Republicans that were like basically flipped on that were Democrats. Right. Right.
1: So so what does this tell you? There's, I mean, it sort of tells you the environment that Trump came into or, I guess, the
2: environment that Trump helped create? Or, I think this is the environment Trump came into. I mean, I think mm-hmm. the notable thing in this poll also, I mean, another notable piece of this is sure. if, if you look across the issues and you look at just people who say they're voting for Don, for Donald Trump, right, in Texas, right. I mean, they're remarkably— consistent. I mean, for the most part, there's not, there's a very few issues in this poll that we pulled on where the Donald Trump voters are less than 69% on an issue, right? So they're usually in the neighborhood of 80, 90%, you know, basically together, right? you know, which is not the same for Clinton. Now, the difference is, is that the Democrats are behind Clinton, whereas Republicans clearly are a lot less so. So a third of Republican voters have a negative view of Trump. Right. It doesn't mean they don't agree. Everybody agree, seems to agree on the issues. It's about the candidate. That yeah, but got, that guy. That's, you know, that right. guy. I mean, that
0: goes back to being able to separate out issues, party identification, right. the candidate right. himself. Right. In the case of Trump.
1: I was a little thrown by Republican attitudes on trade. I, you know, it's it's
0: supposed. You right. know, it's a free trade state. You know, at least so we thought. Right. I think for good reason. I mean, I you know, I think you and I talked about this. We pulled on this when we did the the UT Texas Tribune poll in June and. These numbers moved a little bit, but they were not remarkably different. Right. It's it's a pretty astounding historical shift, mm-hmm. to my mind, from the height of the Cold War consensus, the post Cold the Cold War and post-war consensus in the United States, right. where free trade was the consensus, uh, in both the demo. You know, I mean, there there were content, there were dissidents in each party. Right. But really, the middle clustered in a big way around free trade and an international regime in which the U.S. was squarely at the center, um, both of economic relations and, to to a certain degree, national security relations. And that's switched in a couple of different ways in which you now have, you know, more skepticism in the Republican Party, at least among their electorate, Mm -hmm. about free trade than you find in the Democratic Party. And an increasingly skeptical, seemingly skeptical anti-interventionist wing uh, on foreign policy matters and U.S. role abroad. Yeah, my that, fault. That's really important, I think.
1: Yeah, my faulty memory is that when they were fighting over NAFTA in the early 90s, uh, Jim Hightower, who was a liberal populist, then the agriculture commissioner of the state, popular Democrat at the time, and the unions and Ross Perot were all against um, NAFTA. Right. But everybody else seemed to be for it. And now we ask about uh, trade deals, and do you think these have generally been good for the U.S. economy, or bad for the U.S. economy, I mean, we got more bads than goods.
0: Yeah, and, and and we're seeing some of that nationally. I mean, uh, Josh and Darren and I worked on a poll on a national poll for for somebody, uh, GSDM and Villanobo,
1: Uh-huh.
0: and there was a there was a question about NAFTA on that poll that found people still very split on that, and uh-huh. and the partisan structure not quite as pronounced in this. I mean, this is a broader question, but similar um, shifts evident. In, at the partisan level, right? You know, nationally as well,
1: right? Um, so, what else did you see here? I was, I was. We spent a day talking about fraud, um, and what the perceptions of fraud are. You know, some of this is in the context of um, candidates saying the election is rigged, but it precedes that. I mean, we've had, <coughs> pardon, we've had years of um, Texas politicians talking about voter ID and. Rampant voter fraud and problems at the election box. Talk about the results you got here.
2: Yeah, I mean, we basically asked people about four different types of election fraud, right? We asked about people voting who are ineligible, people right. voting multiple times. Uh, we asked about the votes being counted inaccurately and about some sort of foreign or bad actor influencing the elections. And mm-hmm. I mean, and first, first hacking, yeah, hacking the elections, specifically hacking the elections, R- right, election. right. Yeah. right. And so we asked, you know, is, is this going to be a, you know, like a serious problem, a somewhat serious problem, not very serious, or just not at all serious? And and the thing was pretty much overwhelming majorities of people basically thought that these were all more or less serious problems. Uh, and in particular, I mean, the partisan structure always matters. And you know, the partisan structure kind of affects, you know, how you perceive which kinds of issues are serious based on, you know, whether your team's going to be hurt or the other team, you know, perceptually. Right. right? So Republicans were more concerned about, uh, you know, people voting multiple times and ineligible voters voting and Democrats were pretty much more or less unconcerned.
0: Yeah. Essentially, the things that are thought of as you know, kind of efforts to change outcomes by Outside of institutions, right. Cheating words, basically cheating. Yeah, cheating. right. Basically cheating. Yeah. yeah. And
2: then on the, you know, and then the Democrats are, were, you know, Republicans were still concerned about these other types of fraud or, you know, tampering with the election. But Democrats were clearly a little bit more. It was more, closer to home. The idea of votes being counted inaccurately or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a foreign actor. You and know, The foreign actor is clearly probably people are thinking about Russia. They're thinking about hackers. You know, and WikiLeaks and stuff influencing the election. Kind of what's been in the news. Right. Yeah, sure. I think what's been in the news. You know, with the with the count. You know, I think and there's something kind of nice about this. And really, I mean, it's nice when these makes sense. But when you talk about votes being counted inaccurately, you know, the idea is, as you said, you know, if, if people are showing up who shouldn't vote or voting multiple times and, the, you know, this is outside of the institutions, the institutions are all controlled by Republicans in the state. Mm-hmm. So if you're a Democrat, you're more worried about just the votes not being counted right, right, you know. And, there, you know, I mean, I
0: think there is, these were an interesting mixture, I think, of you know, tapping, again, tapping into something that's there and it's kind of an underlying uh, Concern, set of concerns about the electoral system, right? But kind of parceled out or focused by slightly more proximate causes, probably. And mm-hmm. by slightly more proximate, I don't mean yesterday or today. Although with some of that, certainly with the hacking of the election of the, of right. the electoral system, that's right. that's definitely picking up on all the talk about cyber warfare and all this. I would, I shouldn't say definitely, but that's got to be part of what's going on here. But you do have, you know, this general sense that it, that it is channeling. An overall kind of anxiety. An anxiety is the wrong word. Overall doubts about the electoral system. Right. But they sort out differently depending on where you're sitting.
1: Well, the answers seemed more intense than I expected. I wasn't surprised that people were sort of like, "Yeah, I, you know, generally worry about that." But the way the questions were phrased, do you think this is going to be a problem of some severity? Yeah. You know, varying severities in this election this in a couple of weeks and there were a lot of um
0: yes i'm very seriously worried about that yeah to use the technical term people are pretty jacked up about it (laughs) yeah right (laughs) you know i mean it's a pollster term yeah it's hard not to see that i mean and, and, and you know we really and hats off to darren who's not here today i mean i think we were thinking about asking a question or two in a more general sense to try to tap into just you know, is Trump's talk about an election being rigged taking? Right. And it was Darren's idea to, I think, slow it down and parse it out. And we sat together and parsed it out. And I think we were all, you know, they're they're are among my favorite results in this poll in terms of having a lot of clear structure and feeling like we structured the battery right. I mean, I'm, yeah, I thought yeah. they was fascinating. We started with, as I remember, Maybe not back when much, we were but...
1: back when we were talking about this, we started with one question. You know, something yeah. like, is there fraud in elections? <laughs> right
2: wasn't that bad well it was probably my josh Josh is less
1: impressed
0: but I.
2: well i mean the problem is and it was the was part of the conversation we had which is you say okay so this is a serious problem but then the follow-up is okay so what right i mean is this is this going to affect the outcome is this do you think that these problems are going to change what what you know would have been the outcome to the election here in texas nationally you know i mean and that's sort of I mean, it's sort of different, and the problem is, is although you, not
0: to get too far in the weeds, it would have been hard to have asked all these questions and then and then said, "Oh, hey, and so by the way, you think these problems are going to affect the election?" <laughs> yeah, well, it's a little bit. Well, of, no, you know, but that's well, that the
1: thing
2: in the closet. Yes,
1: I am. Are you afraid it's actually going to eat you? It's like actually. Right. But I think that's
2: yeah, the problem. I think that's the issue with this whole this whole area. Is it's just it's just very it's a complicated area to poll in a lot it's of fraught. ways. It is is quite fraught.
1: Well, this kind of goes to fear. We've got a question from Lorena who says, "Why does the?" Texas Secretary of State perpetuate one instance of fraud being too high This kind of goes to this question of this rolling conversation that we've had about rampant voter fraud, I think is what the governor has called it. Um, isn't the stage sort of set for someone like Trump, I mean well before he gets here to, to come in and say, you know well we have a we have voting integrity problems and for a lot of us it goes all the way back to, 2000 with the Bush-Gore election.
0: Well, and I think that's what I meant. I mean, to answer Lorena's question, I mean, I think that, that's what I was trying to get at in terms of there being these proximate factors that are amplifying different aspects of this for different people, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, I, I think it's probably likely that there are still some Democrats out there that are still do remember 2000. Yeah. And, and, and it's still a little, or even if they don't remember it literally, that's still kind of in the partisan ether. Right. Um, You know, I I don't—secretary of state is doing his best to be nonpartisan as a partisan appointee. Right. But I think, you know, some of the things that he has emphasized in his public pronouncements and in some of the things that we've even seen him do personally do, to me, tend to shade into problems that are not there. And when pressed on that, he has taken a more philosophical position. Right. Which I think is— Fine to say, you know, I mean, the philosophical response is one instance of fraud is too many. One instance is too many, but I think there are other more institutional ways that that's been sorted out. And the the Supreme Court seems to have, the the court system, anyways, seems to have not taken that attitude generally towards the voter ID law in Texas so far.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to add to that. (laughs)
1: Just got a couple of um, minutes left. What what else jumped out of this poll at you? What what else got any other favorite results that you kind of went, hmm. Um, talked we, talk, we asked people about bathrooms a little bit it looks like um, if you look at texans generally this is the transgender mm, bathroom issue right. should people use the bathroom that matches their birth gender or their gender identity i think is how we put it in the right poll. um and if you look at texans generally it's like ah, a bare majority but if you look at republicans um, lieutenant governor dan patrick who has made a big issue out of this for the legislative session is clearly um,
2: harmonized with his base. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, I mean, there's, there's this chick we're back to chickens and eggs. I mean, there's two things going on here. I mean, one, you know, for Dan Patrick, there's no cost to him in going out on this issue because Republicans are pretty unified. Right. I mean, I think for Democrats and- At at least with the voters. Right. At least with, yeah, with Republican, well, with Republican voters. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, I think what you're seeing when you're talking about the ambivalence kind of in the overall results versus, you know, sort of the partisan structure. And I think what you're seeing there in a lot of ways is that, you know, it's not like, who's the Democrat? Who's leading the charge for getting, you know, transgender individuals the ability to use the bathroom of their gender identity? Mm -hmm. Who's the person out there? I mean, I guess you could say Obama, sort of, a lame duck president on his way out. Right. But it's not like there's a lot of Democrats out there saying, you know, the Democrats are for gender identity for bathrooms. And you see that reflected amongst Democratic voters who are kind of ambivalent themselves about this. And that's kind of, I think, how you see... These numbers on on the top line are not overwhelmingly impressive in either direction, but then underlying it, you see Republicans clear in what they want. And Democrats, not so much. And, you know, if you're a Democratic elected official, you know, it's kind of like, I don't really know if I should put myself out there on this. So it's clearly a Republican favorite, but it's not necessarily a white issue.
0: There's more room for a Republican to run with this than a Democrat. Yeah, definitely. You know, I mean, I I think the other I mean that you look at that number, you look at immigration and there was no real I mean. It actually interesting. There's a little bit of a decrease in the immigration, to, you know, our kind of heat check immigration question. The question is, is um,
1: do you think that undocumented immigrants already in the U.S. should be deported immediately? Right.
0: right. And we have actually seen, we saw a little bit of, ero- we've seen a little bit of erosion in support for that over right. the space of three or four polls now. Um, but that said, I think if the inter- one of the interesting meta things here in terms of politics, not just limited to the poll, is... This this poll, as with you know, as with the last couple that we've done, really do underline the the areas where there's growing friction between the Republican primary electorate
1: mm-hmm. on
0: things like, particularly on immigration and transgender policy, right. and the elite, more business-oriented factions of the party, which are much less enthusiastic on those two issues. Right, right. Okay.
1: Um, I think we're going to let it sit there. Um, fast half hour. Um, That's all the time we have. If you have questions or comments, email them to Tripcast at Texastribune.org. And you can now sign up for Tripcast Alerts at Texastribune.org slash Tribcast. Thanks to Shiny Ribs for our music. On behalf of Jim, Josh, and our producers Todd and Bobby, I'm Ross. Thanks for listening. Texas talking.
0: Texas Talking. Texas
2: Talking. i prefer you didn't do it. Q-S-A. <laughs> <laughs> Q-S-A. <laughs> well, I, by the way. Oh, oh. Nice. I think that worked well for both of us. That, that was nice. He's doing very well.
0: It's all downhill from here.